0: Welcome to the Oxygen Advantage podcast with your host, Oxygen Advantage founder Patrick McKeown. With the Oxygen Advantage podcast, we aim to show how functional breathing is an essential part of a healthy and well balanced lifestyle. Each episode, we meet experts in their field from around the world and talk about their lives, their experiences, and how they learned the importance of breathing. Join us and get inspired. Get the Oxygen Advantage.
1: So this might be a podcast with a difference. It's not normal that I talk business-related and philanthropy. It it will be the first time, actually, during one of our podcasts. However, this was an opportunity I couldn't miss. Dr. Declan Ryan is the son of the founder of Ryanair. And the reason that I bring in that introduction is because I'm sure you're all familiar with Ryanair and um, what a legacy to leave behind. So, Declan, it's a, it's a pleasure to talk with you, and I would love for our conversation that if there was a 20-year-old or 25- or 30-year-old person listening to us, it's really to get your insights as a business leader and as somebody who has helped with setting up numerous different com- com- companies and also one foundation and your philanthropy, and it's getting inside your mind a little bit. So, so yeah, so welcome. thank you very much uh so in terms of i'd love to know what makes you tick um even say your your normal kind of working life you know and i'd love to know this work-life balance in context of i read about your father he was pretty relentless as a worker and his father before that was a very hard worker
0: yeah i i don't think i'm as relentless as they are um But when you are successful, and I kind of mean financially there, you you get options. So I'm not saying being wealthy is a good thing, but it does create options. And um, I try to make sure a couple of hours uh, a day to myself or uh, to my family or my partner or whatever, so, you know, uh, having done Pat, should um, I call you Patrick or Pat?
1: Uh, Pat is fine.
0: Okay, yeah, I I used to. Um, the reason I call myself Deck is because when I was a kid and you were called Declan, you knew you were in shite. So I, from <laughs> here on in, from here on in, I've called myself Deck. But anyway, um, what makes me tick? Uh, I adore reading. So. I... I Actually, the answer there should be curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can uh, remain curious, and it doesn't matter what the subject is, if you can remain curious, I just think your your brain, you know, it, uh, is all stimulated. And uh, I think we've all experienced it, but there's nothing better than it. Uh, book. And I think we're all the same. We kind of slow down towards the end because we don't want to finish, you know? Um, so I think curiosity is the answer and I don't have a clue, by the way, if the next question is, uh, can he learn that or not? I just think some people have it and some people don't, but I- I've never thought about the issue of can you learn curiosity? I, I you, sorry to answer the question. I think
1: you can probably teach yourself to be curious. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting thing because even as I'm thinking about your father, and as an entrepreneurial spirit, entrepreneurs have to be curious because they have to see different angles, um, and very few people are made of the claw to be an entrepreneur even a small business owner like a lot of people are happy in when things are packaged for them and they, they, they don't have to have the responsibility outside of it but i think somebody who was very very curious is not just in terms of i don't think what you mean by curious on a personal level but curious as well is to put yourself into new challenges would that be part of it
0: yeah i'll give you an example um our last airline um uh that we recently uh, sold to Avianca in Colombia, Viva. Um, I'll give you an example of being curious at work. I, uh, we, we take, and it's not just uh, us, uh, the whole industry takes safety very, very uh, seriously. And one of my bugbears at the moment is, if there's an incident with an aircraft and you have to evacuate, people take their second luggage with them, their hand luggage. And, you know, we all say that we wouldn't do that, but it happens. And, you know, listen, I understand some of the motivation. It might be a passport, it might be, you know, your computer or whatever. So we have been talking to, uh, and I can say Irlandia now, uh, Irlandia and Viva have been talking to Airbus because that's the aircraft we operate to, you um, have a switch for the crew to lock the bins, so you don't have a choice. But when you think about a path, if you're getting off, evacuating an airplane, you know, A, you shouldn't get in anybody's way, and B, you shouldn't hesitate. So that's being curious. Um, We're very curious business-wise, to the next level on aviation, we're moving away from fossil fuels and to uh, like electricity. That's great fun. Um, so we're curious, yeah. And that's I think I, I think that's it, but like you also have to remember, you know, Tony. Uh, I always ask this question Tony worked in Air uh, Lingus for 17 years. When he was leaving Air Lingus, he was asked how long he, he worked there, and he said a thousand years, right? So so, Mavericks by and large don't settle into state run companies. And I know Aerlingus is a bit better. But um, I did these kind of behind closed door talks for universities. And I did one in Columbia, and it was an MBA class. And unfortunately, one of the kids asked me, uh, Would GPA and Ryanair have happened if Tony had went to college? It was a great question. But the answer is, they wouldn't have happened um and that, by the way this is not me urinating on having an education and 3rd level degree and anything else like that but universities do put you plug you into holes and you know you look at Zuckerberg and Gates and the Musk and all that they all left the university because they got bored um now they're they're kind of five-star example but you know it's a
1: really good point. The only, there's one course that I'm familiar with is Business, Economic and Social Studies in Trinity. And the only reason I'm familiar with it is because I did it. And so did Michael O'Leary. And so did a person called Terry Clune. Hey, yeah. So I would know Terry. And I think there's a lot of similarities that... Some people who do go through university who were doing it to get that piece of paper, but ultimately university doesn't shape them because they are the Mavericks. So,
0: um, Michael is a great example um, and uh, he's a, he's a, a friend of mine and uh, quite interestingly, I was in class. We we're all locked up in the boarding school down in Kildare. Anyway, I was in class with his brother Eddie. My brother, Carl, was two years ahead of Michael, and Michael was two years ahead of us. So, you know, um, Michael's a very interesting example because there's just a hunger there that I've never seen anybody else have, and I'm I'm including boxers and everything. You know, um, I love the story when he was, uh, he used to uh, work in the tax uh, department in KPMG, and uh, you had two, uh, you probably heard this, you had two uh, newspaper uh, agents um, over yes. in Walkenstown.
1: Walkenstown.
0: So if you or I was being hired by Mick, uh, the first thing he was do, would do, uh, have you heard this story? No, I haven't. Okay, no, I don't want to bore you. I love it. He used to put a five pound sterling into the tip. And so when he came back on your first day of work and he was doing the cash up and you were gone. If the sterling fiber was gone, you were fired. And, you know, that's that's so clever, you know, and... Uh, yeah, there, you know, I was going to make a pile of jokes about Frendi, but... Um, there's just people who have hunger at, at that. You know, yes. I, I, I don't... You know... Um, so, I need to be a little bit careful here, but we have had, we've interviewed people from MBAs here, and they couldn't change the plug. Like, you know, they're probably Einstein financially, but you just need to be, in, in our business anyway, you need to be street wise and be able to read people. And culture, that's a very interesting subject, maybe at a different day. I don't think. I think he can only teach culture when people are at work. If, if I went to work for you and I was trying to understand the culture of your business, but I was only with you one day a week, I'm not too sure I get your culture. Like you can imagine for Google, you know, and there's piles of different things there. Like anyway, we we were talking about all the the bright guys out of uh, Trendy and stuff, but you know, there's piles of stuff there with regard to working from home and working in the office. And my by the way, I, I I'm not one of these John Wayne types. I, I, I think the blend is fantastic. I, I know a lot of people, you know, I think I was in Copenhagen last week, uh 80% of Scandinavians are now doing four days a week. And you, you would you would have thought at the beginning it'd be the other way around with the Scandinavians and so on, but I think it's popped on that you can't teach culture. The other thing is you can't teach interns or apprentices if they're at home, you know, because they're not going to ring up the boss and say, what do you think? But if you're having a cup of coffee or one of the Yanks say you're beside the water cooler, because go, Jesus, you know, I just don't understand uh, how this bit of maths or engineering works, you know? and. Uh, So I'm going off on a tangent, but I think it's uh, an important point. But the you know uh, Tony's work ethic was uh, world class, but I'm not too sure he worked hard when he was in in Airlines. But I I I just I think the light bulb moment is we moved to Thailand in 1974. Myself and my two other brothers went there as well. And uh, he brought, so the oil prices was on. Erlingus had two jumbos they didn't need. And Tony leased both of them, as well as like, their poor called wet places, as well as the cruise to Thailand. And you can imagine the benefit that had for Erlingus. It, it may have saved him. I, I, I don't know enough about the financials. It was enormous. I
1: read, I read the finances. Yeah. I think it, it amounted to 5 million pounds at a time. It was an enormous sum of money, just for a little bit of context deck in the background. So Tony Ryan, Declan's father, founded what was called Guinness Speed Aviation. And this they were leasing aircrafts, but the start of it happened when he was working with Aer Lingus. So during the winter months, Aer Lingus aircraft would be sitting on the ground. there were other aircraft or aircraft carriers at other parts of the world who would need these aircraft, so the idea was to lease them. So I'll pass it back to you, Dick.
0: I love the story. Uh, Arthur Walls, who became chairman of Ryanair, uh, and and a mentor of mine, great guy, and I miss him regularly. He's he's not with us anymore. Arthur was the GM of Aer Lingus at the time, and uh, they couldn't get rid of the 747s, and Tony was... Put in charge of uh getting rid of them. What Arthur did is he uh, moved the seven four sevens around facing the Lingus building and Tony's office. And Tony said to Arthur, like, do you really have to do that? He said, I want you to think about them every fucking minute of the day. And it worked. <laughs>
1: Hunger. Do you think hunger is a little bit from our environment? Because Ireland, economically, we were were pretty much a basket case. There wasn't a whole lot going for somebody Mm -hmm. who was coming out of school at the time. And if you're a child growing up in a household whereby financial economics are not easy, it can give you a tremendous motivation to want to do better. Do you think I'm only thinking about this Ireland now has moved on quite a lot since the 70s and the 80s and even the 90s here were tough Um, it only came right in the noughties and then it collapsed again in 2010 or 20 2008. Do you think it's a little bit different in terms of the mindset for kids now coming up because of the environment that they are they were in?
0: I, it must be. I, I haven't really thought of it like that. I, I, and by the way, I'm not too sure what 100% what makes people hungry. But you know, certainly, I'll give you an example of Tony in a minute. But I just think we have to be careful not to label the youth coming through as not hungry. Sure, sure. sure. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting you are saying that, but. I think of my own kids and uh, I'm very proud of them and uh, uh, they're amazing people, but they're all hungry. You know, so, um, but the, the, the story I want to tell about Tony, and by the way, you know, Michael would be a great example of, you know, uh, having hunger, but also, you know, he, he went to an expensive school and all that kind of stuff. So uh, he certainly grew up middle-class you know, why, yes. does, why does Michael have that hunger, right? But I remember Tony tells a story. He was, um, I was actually telling somebody this yesterday. Um, Tony grew up in uh, Limerick uh, Junction. He was born there. And uh, his dad was going for a council house in uh, Thurlis. They wanted to move. And I'm not too sure. He, he had, he had uh, four siblings. I'm not too sure all the kids were born. But he remembers his dad was a train driver, Martin. Um, he remembers the night Martin came home. So, Tony was the eldest. I think Tony was around eight or nine or whatever it was. And uh, Martin telling his wife that they didn't get the council house, right? She gave him a right bollican. And Tony just said the mood in the house for about a week was, you know, black. And he just said, you know, that's never going to happen to me. You know, um, now, you know, it took them 17 years and at the age of 45 to become an entrepreneur. So the great thing about my own view on entrepreneurship is uh, age doesn't matter. And actually people post 40 or 50 are probably better at it than younger people. Um, and the other thing is, I think uh, any person who owns two spa shops in Tralea or anywhere, I regard them as entrepreneurs.
1: You know oh, Totally. Totally. I, w- I would think so too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting in terms of hunger. Um,
0: where, where did your hunger come from?
1: I didn't have a great, great financial background when I was a kid growing yeah. up. So okay. I lived in dunboyne County Mead and things were not easy financially. Quite a few kids. I put myself, I left school initially at 14 um, because I didn't have the concentration levels because of sleep issues and things like that so but i went back one year later and i remember going to canada in 1988 my aunt brought me over there for three months and it was the first time that i seen new cars really Um, nice houses and all the traffic that you would have and i came back to ireland and you know you sometimes you have little experiences that really kind of shape you even though you mightn't think of it back then um but that gave me a drive to get into one university and that was tcd and i did it now i probably did the wrong degree i won't say that i'm not sure but i found my calling afterwards and we we need a bit of luck as well your father a little bit of luck went his way too because one person had to retire and then he was chosen in terms of leasing Um
0: i tell you where the real luck happened their path is he had a job in uh, irish sugar and Thurles, you know so that's a- his dad died when he was doing his leaving search so they didn't have any choice like he he had to be in the eldest it. and he went went to, uh, to an interview in, Sh- in Shannon and Erlingus and Bluff that he was getting double the salary in Irish sugar like but you know he could well well you know uh so that was luck but he could well have been working in Irish sugar and God knows what would have happened in my life if I had uh, 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 been born in service I don't say that in a bad way I just say it like you know we traveled all over like we spent three years in Thailand it was you know I, I think it was like 9 to 12 but that was so impressionable, you
1: know so um, yeah a bit a lot all around for everybody I think It is and it kind of does it, it just seems to fall into place for some people it's almost as if we attract our own luck or at least when an opportunity presents itself a go-getter is going to absolutely go for it
0: We have a book coming out next year and I'm not trying to promote it, but it's called Air Dogs. Say that again. Air Dogs. Okay. Okay. It, it, it's a little bit of a take from uh, Phil Knight's book, which is uh, Shoe Dogs. And there's a story in it that I can touch upon where we were dealing with GE, who are the big engine manufacturers for the uh, 320. We, we were going with GE. Uh, we decided to stick with GE. Thank God. Because that's loads of problems at the moment. Anyway, I'm sitting down with a guy who feels like he's a Yank. His name is Shaker, and uh, he grew up in um, a refugee camp in Beirut. In the, sorry, in the, in the, I'll think of the valley, the bakar Valley, uh, north of um, Beirut. And I flew up the Boston him. And within five minutes, I went to myself, oh fuck, I'm not gonna get anything out of this meeting. And he just said no, but like uh, we, we needed a we were having a spare engine, and uh, which is a lot of money. I, I can't recollect exactly the amount, but you know, it's it's in its millions. And he said no. He just said no in the first five minutes. And uh I said, what the fuck are we gonna talk about now, too? And I said, um, can you tell me your story? And he came from the same refugee camp I had been six months previously. Wow. And by the way, next two hours, like people in my family and uh, uh, here in the office go, oh, Jesus, please don't raise refugees with that. He'll he'll bore the shite out of your life. We spoke for two hours about refugees. And at the end of the meeting, Shaker said to me, I'll try to do something on that engine for you. And he did. And that's fucking luck. Good (laughs) karma as well, but it's luck as well. And, you know, I forgot the story. And one of the guys in here, one of the dogs, um, reminded me of it. And I went, yeah, no, we need to tell that story because it's just lovely. You know, it's, you know, it just.
1: But it's even more because it's not just the business context, it's actually the human relationship, which seems to be more important in terms that we are social beings. And you could even bring that into context today with mobile phone use. And there's almost as if there's an idea that we're all cocooning and we're all looking into screens which we're losing that social aspect of it, which is really vitally important. And that's an example.
0: We said it uh, before we went on air. Like we haven't met each other, but we've we've gotten known each other by Zoom and phone calls and texts and so on. But I don't really think I know anybody until I meet them face-to-face, you know? Yeah. Um, And, you know, uh, Zoom is great. But the thing I hated about it during COVID is... you couldn't tell how the person was, you know, because I think we have this inbuilt thing like showtime, you know, uh, am I, am I, am I looking okay? Do I sound okay? Da, da, da. I would never on a zoom call, um, certainly uh, several people on the call asked you about how your mom is or how's your own mental health or, you know, stuff I ask people all the time when I'm face to face with them. You just, you just, A, it, it's a bit, you know, it's not the right way to ask somebody that, uh, you know, in a, a multiple call with other people. And uh, you don't feel like asking, but wait, you know, uh, who, who am I telling A lot of this is down to uh, people's body language or how they look and so on. I'm not too sure you can tell that on Zoom.
1: In terms of mental health, you, that, you have quite a nice interest in it as well. Um, oftentimes when we think about business, we're thinking about stress. There's so many things that come into my head, especially I got through 50 pages of the book that you sent me, which was wonderful. Um, it, it, it seems to have quite um, a big take, or at least you have quite a considerable interest in the whole aspect of mental health. Could you expand on that a small
0: bit? keep you all day um i suffer from depression um luckily it's uh, don't know what the exact term it's kind of subclinical is the term it's you know it happens to me every uh, uh now and then uh, probably in my life i've had like four or five serious episodes uh, i'm just coming out of one now uh but uh we, we had our uh, lads lunch yesterday and it's four pals of mine who um, I've known since 11. They're all a pain in the ass, by the way. If they're listening to this, they're all... And, you know, it, it, the, the beauty about their pals is they don't give in an inch. Like, you know. Anyway, I won't go into those boogers. But anyway, we were talking about mental and Health at lunch yesterday. Um, and uh, one of my pals uh, from Wexford turned around and he said, Deck, it's great to talk about it. and I did a dinner a couple of years ago for AWARE and uh, behind closed doors and I talked about my experiences and so on and uh, about five people came up to me afterwards and kind of in a hushed voice said, oh, we're delighted you said it and they wouldn't say it in front of anybody else, you know, my brother has it or mom has it or whatever, you know, so I think we've really come on a lot in Ireland. I think you you see the words mental health here all the time. Um, I still think there's a stigma behind it. I love the Alan Quinlan's and the Cusacks and all the sports guys who've come out about it. And I think that's very powerful when, you know, I'm a Munster fan and uh, I think uh, Quinny is God. Um, But for somebody who is tough as him, To come out about mental health, it kind of makes it acceptable and so on. Going back to curiosity for this recent episode, I did so many things, Pat, including uh, learning how to breathe with your expertise. Um, The joke in the family is I did so much that we don't know what fucking cured me, you know, what got me right. (laughs) Um, I I think I told you, um, and and by the way, this is unfortunate in one way. I got a brain scan and um, there's probably better terminology about that. I got it done in America. You can't get it done here. And, I, and it is expensive. But my, I have two uh, psychiatrists, uh, one here and one in Columbia. They were jumping with joy with the uh, the x-rays. I call them x-rays, right? Um, with the uh, photographs and stuff. And I said, why are you guys so excited? He said, we would love every patient to have this. And by the way, without going into huge detail, one of the scans uh, showed um, oxygen deficiency in my brain. Now the kids joke was my brain was going to be more like Homer Simpson, right? But uh, to be serious about it, it also showed oxygen uh, deficiencies. And that's why I'm, I'm learning loads about breathing from you. I have to get more oxygen to the brain. And you know, there are several ways of doing that and um, I'll do it. So there's curiosity um and you know all my kids are adults and, and my partner uh, Monica um it's really and I, I I don't want to say this as a kind of a bit of advice but when people see you try they're a hundred percent behind you um I, I just think it must be hard for you know when you're down you just don't have the motivation when people don't try I I think that's probably hard in relationships and so on so nearly part of the curiosity is my family because I just want to show them that you know what's the way I say that I'm not scared of uh depression anymore but it's a pain in the ass you know um so I've shown my family I I can hack it but also they know that you know they kind of make jokes about it. And I love that, you know, Jesus' dad's in New York to get his head fucking scanned, you know. But, you know, by the way, I'm not uh, intelligent or medical like yourself, but the reality there is if you break your second leg, you get an x-ray. If there's something wrong with our head, we don't think about scans. Now, listen, it's expensive. Uh, If I won the lotto, I'd like to think that everybody who wants one could get one. But, um, you have to talk about it in my like, And I'm not saying bad things about Tony, but when I got my first episode, I stayed with him for a couple of weeks and uh, he gave me John Wayne talk, pull up your fucking socks and be a man. And, you know, you need to be a father. Da, 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 da. He came back four days later and apologized. And he said he did piles of research on it and he didn't, he, he, he didn't realize how bad it was. And, uh, I love that because he had the balls to say, you know, totally apologize talks. and so on. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. But also he went off and did some research with it because there's still that idea, you know, and I know we have moved on. But in some ways, Deck, I often wonder, are we putting it now so much into the open? I actually like some of your dad's thinking because sometimes we need that, too. We We need... It's very yeah. difficult, isn't it? The human being is just so, so, so complex. For for some people, you they do need to, a little bit of a push in order yeah. to get going. And for other yeah. people, it's different. It's really difficult to know.
0: I learned on this recent ballot, and I've had it for about six months, and I'm out of it, thank God. But um, people recommended to me a gratuity app. And that's what actually Tony was saying. You're a lucky booger. You have four healthy kids. Uh, you don't have to worry about money every day. So that's what he was saying. Now, he could have taken the John Wayne bit off. Um, and he did in the end. But um, the Queen and Judy, I wish I'd done it 400 years ago. You know, like, it's amazing. Like, some of the stuff I write down is, Jesus, uh, uh, lamb curry that money did last night was out of this world and that's what it does it grinds you down and you know um i am lucky enough to live near the canal here in Dublin. you know that walk every day in you know, every every morning it's just fantastic uh i'm not famous for everybody but you know i um I, 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 if, if, if people are suffering uh the two things i would say not advice the things i would say is uh, talk about it and it doesn't mean you have to talk you know you don't have to stand in air square and you know go on about it and the other thing is uh, a bit of gratuity of where you are and you know um, anyway work for me you know so
1: so what you mean by gratuity is it's the very simple things that we often overlook and just to write down what's 10 10- really positive things in my life yeah, that are it, so it, it, simple. This,
0: this, this app, I'm looking at the phone now, this app is called uh, Gratuity. Uh, um, and uh, you only have to fill in three lines and the lines are tiny. You know, um, But the thing that's great about it is it, it, it kind of nearly wakes you up in the morning, right? It kind of barks at you and says, what are you happy about today? Or, or didn't mean to use word happy. Um, what what what, uh, what gives you gratitude today? What are you grateful for? And you know sometimes you're scratching your head trying to think of something, you know And uh, then you have to realize that you know you just had a bloody lovely shower and you know um, my uh, hygienist, she's brave uh, in the uh, in, in the dentist the other day told me and I, lo- I love it said, have you ever washed your teeth sitting down? And I thought it was like on the beer or something, right? And I, I, I've been doing it. And you wash your teeth longer, you know? And, you know, so I think whether was another comment I heard was brilliant is we probably spend five minutes a day on our dental health. Why don't we do that on our mental health, you know?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and it can be easily done, incorporated into our own way of life. I think there's not enough talked about getting out of our head, and it's not just about directing our attention or our focus, but I think our education system is very archaic in terms of it's teaching people how to go into the workforce, but it's not giving them the skills to deal with the stresses and and strains involved in that. You know, it really, really needs, there has to be a change there. You can't just think, you can't just train the human brain how to think and not give people the skills to be able to stop thinking, to have some degree of control over the mind, because ultimately overthinking is a problem. And what you I, talked I about.
0: Love, uh, I'm sorry, Pat, cut across it. I would love if, I, I don't even know who it is, if the Minister, the minister for Education said to you and me, um, redefine TY. Now, I know you would put breathing on the course, I'd put mental health on the course, I'd put cooking on the course, i put swimming on the course, you know, uh, fixing fucking bites. you know, really practical important driving. And, you know, uh, at the end of the TY, you'd be going like, Jesus, I know how to cook an omelet for mom, or uh, when I do get down, I know what to do and, you know, so.
1: Would you, uh, as well, would you put managing finance on the course? Because I think a lot of people get yeah. stressed over lack yeah. of money.
0: Uh a pal of mine uh, the other day, uh, who, who close to your point, he said uh, to teach uh, kids how to do tax returns. Does he remember never taught it?
1: And it is because we aren't, in terms of our spending, you know, there's so many people and people that I know of And they will go on a holiday on their credit card. The holiday is two, two weeks, and they're paying it back for the next 12 months or Christmas time is coming up. And I know there's a pressure to provide presents to children, but we have to think about, you know, that. And the other thing about a credit card is a totally different story about putting your hand into your pocket and taking out paper money because it feels real. As opposed to just tapping a card. And I think tapping the card can generate a compulsive That you know, there's a different psyche attached because it almost feels that it's artificial money and it's a delayed, you don't have to worry about it now, especially if it's on credit. You can pay it back anytime in the future. Um it it causes issues. Can I come back to this? Wealth, I feel is important. Um, absolutely, even just based on the last. What's your take on it? Well,
0: No, no, no. I didn't hear what you said. Sorry.
1: Wealth, I feel, is very, very important in terms of lack of money causes more problems than having money.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm I'm not a good person to talk about wealth because I've given most of it away. Um, And a very close pal, I won't give him too much recognition, but he was at the lunch yesterday. He's from Leash and said to me once you know money makes you embarrassed and it does um and by the way i'm not uh, um, a goody two-shoes here but you know when after ryanair ipo'd and i know you want to talk about it we set up the one foundation and yes. there's nothing better uh, like let's take prisons. you know when you get a present right if that could ever be boxed and injected or swallowed, you just feel like you've nailed it. And, uh, we put, I'm sorry, we, I've, I have a habit of saying we, well, I had a team. So, you know, we've been going in one time, by the way, it comes out through the YouTube song. Um, the last thing I was going to do, by the way, is call it the fucking Ryan foundation. But anyway, um, there's a lovely line in the, in the U2 song um, about we have to carry each other, which I believe. And uh, you know, I've put in a lot of money into uh the One Foundation, and I'm not saying that on the basis of bragging, but I love. I mean, unfortunately, he passed away recently, Chuck Feeney. Um yes. I love Chuck Feeney. Yeah, amazing man. And we're 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 very lucky that he decided he wanted to be Irish. You know, like. Um, he could have decided he wanted to be Polish or, you know, he didn't have to pick Ireland, but he did, thank God. Well, but his Chuck, name is. Con- yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, yeah. Um, But Chuck had a great comment. He said he hoped his last check would bounce. You know, and I love that. And by the way, you know, I, I, um, so I don't preach about that. Like, there's two things I don't preach about taxes and uh, philanthropy. And I don't preach about it to my kids, you know, because it's up to them uh, if they want to be you know, the, the kind of chairman here. We have one side that makes money and the other side that gives it away. And the, the finance guys call the foundation do-gooders. But, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing. I, I think I told you I was r- recently lucky enough to do a safari. It's the first time in my life. And we did it in Tanzania, and myself and Moni hijacked a local primary school. Literally ran in to in the middle of a class with a pile of sweets. And the kids started singing. And uh, I can send you the video. I was I I thought it was Mick Jagger dancing around with the kids and stuff, right? And first of all, they probably never saw a black guy before, or sorry, a white guy. And uh, second of all, I just said to money. The, you know, you know when a child sings, it's special, you know. And mm. uh, I, I, just love, uh, you know, um, the pride moms take in the uniform, you know. And you know, this is a poor part of Tanzania, but they were just impeccably uh, turned out for whatever the right phases. But I said to mommy when we were leaving the school, like you know, it was like three hundred kids waving at us. Now I know the sweets helped, right? But uh. I send the money. If I could do that every morning. you know, and I'm not doing the Geldof on it or the Chuck Fini on it or anything else like that. But I, I've said it a couple of times before. Uh, Pat. Yeah. I I have the view that giving is more beneficial than actually receiving, and you know, people say aren't they great and all that shit. You know, and that, that, that they mean well, but um. I, don't know, I, 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 I go back to the Christmas present like I love vinyl and my kids got me you know, rolling stones you know uh, albums and all that kind of stuff so, uh, you know, I knew they loved it because they had nailed it for me you know uh, so that's the point I'm trying to make about philanthropy and giving the one foundation
1: But there, there must be something in it from a cultural point of view um, the only reason I say it like Certain religions, it's almost that 10% of your income goes to charity, 10% you save, but also those same religions, can they encourage yeah. their followers to be entrepreneurial and to think positively about money. And sometimes I feel in Ireland, I think money was never looked at as, as a positive thing and i don't know is it because of our, our historical lineage that anybody who had money at the time where our planters or colonizers that we as a generation have probably moved away a lot from that and also i feel as well that maybe there are religion that there wasn't enough emphasis on number one I like the way you mentioned U2's song one. I think it's a, it's really, it's a tremendous song, but I think underlying that song is presence, that we are all (laughs) connected. Um, And it's also stillness of mind that it's, it's not being stuck in the head. And if you break down the lyrics, sometimes, you know, or you can kind of get that sense of it. So culturally philanthropy is, is a big part of it, but yet it's not espoused that much, you know,
0: so I think about this quite a bit um, I think Irish people by and large are very generous um, and you can see that anytime there's an earthquake in Turkey and all that kind of stuff I think we have one of the highest proportions of giving as per capita but once you cut it off at 500 quid or whatever you know so I'm not having a go at people, but there's a lot of wealthy people out there who just hand it to the family. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But um, I like I like your comment about religion. Like, you're going to smile. Like, one of the recommendations from uh, one of my doctors was um, do something spiritually. Now, I regard the One Foundation a bit spiritually. But he was talking about religion and i said i'm not doing the roman catholic thing like you know i just i just not um and, and uh, i won't go into the reason why now but uh, i think a lot of people feel like that then i was thinking you know who, who who my head was going towards uh buddhism but then my head also went towards who's generous and the jews and the quakers are incredibly generous you know um So I'm not heading off to Tel Aviv or uh, Holland or wherever else I need to go. But, you know, there is. So I don't want to say what what... I met um, uh, about 15 years ago um, around that. So people won't guess who it is. I met the Taoiseach's chief of staff a couple of years ago. And I loved it because he said to me, we can't even spell philanthropy, you know? Um, and in the States, you know, uh, Biden or Obama puts their arm around you uh, and says, you really need to give the money to the university or to the hospital or whatever. So um, I, 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 I think we can be better in Ireland, but it's more the kind of, top two or 3% together, but it's not a lecture, you know, it's, um, I, 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 have been approached and this is a good point. I've been approached by several people to ask me how we did the one foundation and people who have done well, two or three people in in particular, and, uh, they loved it. Um, and it, it, it actually became a family project where let's say, you were saying to one of your kids or whatever, um, I'm going to give uh, 500 quid or whatever it is into Galway, you know, somewhere in Galway. And you have a debate with your family and you go why it should be for mental health or whatever. you know. so, Lord, I'm not going to lecture on it, that's for sure.
1: The income or the money generated through the One Foundation, where is it directed to? Because I was also talking about Root. Um, She's in the office behind me here. And she was at a bookstore in Lewisburg in County Mayo and one yeah. one book. So what was the connection? Yeah, yeah. There? one. So uh, I at have
0: one? a place in Lewisburg. Yeah. By the way, you're going to love this. The nickname for me in Lewisburg is Almost Famous. <laughs> and I just love it because just in case you get above the power it, <laughs> you know, but it's brilliant. Um, so we have uh, three shops around the country now, uh, one in Dublin and two in uh, uh, Connemara, well, sorry, in College, uh, one in um, Letterfrack, and one in Lewisburg. Yeah, it's a charity. Uh, we sold 12,000 books last year, when you think about it, it's amazing. Uh, I'll, I'll touch on other things, but... My favorite story is I met um, uh, a farmer who was in the GAA section of the bookstore. And because it was sports, I was able to chat away to him. He didn't know who I was, and I didn't know who he, who he was and so on. And I said, you know, what's it about the bookstore? And he said, you know, and I, I, I understood him 100%. He said, you know when you go and get a cup of coffee, and then you feel guilty about keeping the table when other people are coming in. Like, we all get that a bit most of us do and so on. So I come down and look at the gas section here and nobody votes me and I can sit here for half an hour and so on. and So, on. Uh, so it's a bit, so our, our, our kind of the big wins we've done, we've done a lot of wins which is great uh, and we're concentrating a lot now on refugees and I'll touch upon that in a sec. Our big wins has been, and you probably know them, Jigsaw. Uh, yes. Jigsaw is, I call it the Ikea for mental health the all the offices are cool and the whole idea there and then there's one opposite the bus station if anybody's listening in uh Galway and uh it's an Australian model and in Australia when you go into AE if they think it's mental health related uh you get seen a professional straight away. Now the Australians have loads of money. Um I'm not too sure sorry you'd like to think um the HSE here could do it um, in every hospital or every AE, but you know, it's just so logical, it's not funny. Um, so, we, we brought that to Jigsaw, which is kind of like um, trendy for people under 20 or 22 or whatever. Uh, we sold. we set up a social entrepreneurs Ireland, which is also a huge win. And our view there, uh, and I think they're 20 years old next year, next year or this year. Um, our view there um, Pat, was very simple. There's a social entrepreneur in every village in Ireland, and they probably don't know they're social entrepreneur, and they're probably uh, involved with five different committees, and you know the GAA and you know any of the charities and so on. And those people just need to be um, recognized that they are social entrepreneurs, and then help to be develop and so on. The last point on I'd like to make on the one foundation is at the moment um, we deal primarily at the moment, like let's say about 80% of our uh, revenue um, in uh, refugees. Um, this this where this is where I am going to lecture. Uh, the Irish were received all around the world and given breaks by Americans and Aussies and Brits and so on we at giving back, like you know, like, and I'm, I'm not going on about the far right or anything else like this, but we did a really good job recently on the Ukrainians, and, mm. and that needs to be recognized. But when you go to the centers now and any of the emergency centers, like, we've forgotten about the Syrians or the you know, uh, people from Afghanistan and so on. And uh, I just, I, I believe, by the way, I think a lot of people do great stuff, I just uh, believe we need to do a bit more. And the government would row with me on that, and um, I haven't had a row with them, but I bet it'll say, well, look what we've done for the Ukrainians. And my response back to them is, well, they're European and white, you know, uh, have you done the same for the Syrians and uh, yeah, so on. So that's what the foundation does.
1: Well, I think it's excellent. And um, I'm only going to make a comment in terms of one would hope that the money that's donated is really used efficiently and is not uh, wasted unnecessarily. And I couldn't help but read.
0: It's, 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 sorry, you're going to love this. I keep interrupting you. Uh, I used to be chairman of Bernardos in Ireland. And it was logical that our one of our first donations in '03 would be to Bernardos. I sent a guy called Anthony Carraher, who's a great guy, and he worked with me for 17 years. He was our CFO. And he came back red in the face, and I said, what's up? He said, Bernardo's only take care. Now, this was 20 years ago. uh, Only uh, 5,000 families in Ireland. And I said, well, isn't that good? And he goes, you could fill a pro park with the amount of kids in uh, child poverty in Ireland. And he said, it's not effing good enough. I love the guy who was calling those old do gooders coming over to the dark side. And the following year, we didn't give Bernardo's uh, money um, because they wouldn't uh, increase the families. Like, you know, that makes it sound bad, but, you know, um, uh, Fergus Finley was the CEO at the time, great guy. But his comment was, it's about quality. And so we have a little bit of a route and uh, we can, you know, let's say we were giving them 300 grand, 100 grand a year, you know, a that after you want. So it, it's great to put in the metrics and use some of the business brains behind philanthropy and
1: uh, well, I think charities it's, hate it. I think it's vital. Um, and you yeah. mentioned the HSE and I won't even go there because my comments might be positive. But I remember the Irish Times interviewed me. Mac, I was going back about 10 years ago and it was one of these off the couch pieces. And I made the comment that Michael O'Leary should be in running the HSC. And of course, that was the headline then of my interview. Um, and it's so true. You really do need somebody. And that's hunger, but it's passion. But it's also the drive to do things right. I have
0: to say, uh, I disagree on that one. Okay. But well, no, 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 I, I you have to have... Other skills, right? And so we're not going to focus in on Michael. But what I what I think he would have been brilliant at is during the uh, financial crisis and sorting out the banks.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that was a comment made by one of the economists. It was actually David McWilliams. He said that if you're if you're going to negotiate, you need to be a negotiator. And it should have been somebody that was taken. But again, sometimes these things fall between the cracks. Um, Just to kind of bring it towards, if you were a 20-year-old now, now I know this is, but you want the spot. What would you, what direction would you like to go in terms of where, what would, what sort of personality would you be? Would you do things anyway differently? In other words, is there something that a 20-year-old could learn now Do you believe that we should be all out there as human beings facing little challenges, growing, doing the best that we can? Like what motivates us as human beings to, to be happy? Yeah. I hate the word happy, by the way, and nothing to do with you.
0: I just, I was thinking about it the other day. We use the expression happy out. Right. And I'm going to have a right over of the Yanks here. They use it all the effing time, right? Um, if I was uh, intelligent enough to be involved with the Oxford Dictionary, I would take the word out and I would use the word being content because, you know, it, the, the, we won't do it now, probably. Like, what is happy? you know, so you can go for it. The 20-year-old deck. I've been really lucky. Um, like, you know, Ryanair nearly went wallop 13 times. Um, you can't, you know, I went to UCD. Um, I, you know, just nothing in UCD, or sorry, any college would have taught me that. Uh, so, I'm I like, I might frame it a bit different um, because what, what what I had in my DNA as a kid was travel. And, you know, um, you go to Vietnam, one of my favorite countries in the world. Those people are content, but they don't have that much. And uh, I kind of re- would remind myself a bit like that. Um, I wouldn't have necessarily uh, done in uh, UCB I think but like I remember uh, graduating uh, and uh, it was 42 I think in our economics class and uh, only two stayed behind everybody went away you know um, so everything I did in a business world and I like to think in a personal world but certainly in a business world I don't think I would change, but I was lucky. Um made, made some of the luck afterwards. But you know, um when you and and, and you've seen it, so when you are faced with the wall of bankruptcy, you a get very creative and b you get very resilient. Um so I'm not too sure I would change that much. I only went to the states for a year, work-wise. I, I certainly, I was hoping to go there for four years. And it, it's, it's not about, um, it's not about um, the Yanks or anything else. It's more about they have a great work culture um, and uh, they, 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 you know, they get stuff done. Uh, you know, um, so uh, I, I was Thinking about that quite a bit, that question, and uh, I'm I'm not too sure I would have given Deck twenty years old a bollock and that he should have done something else different, you know. Now, there's that not too much? I gave up rugby probably too early, and then something to do with rugby, it was just I missed the team bit and all that kind of stuff. So, but that's work, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard to have a a girlfriend. Uh, Working 12 hours a day and then to say to your family, I'm um, off to play goal legions uh, next Saturday. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to goalie, you're not going to come back in the same day, you know. So uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I haven't given you any more conclusive, uh, but I, I don't think there's too much more I would have. Like, I'm pretty sure I might have tweaked 5% or 10%.
1: But there's probably a couple of points that I take from it. One is that your life is pretty aligned with you. In other words, the things that you did are pretty aligned with you. Um, and the second thing uh, was, if, yeah.
0: Uh, I fought with Tony a lot. Uh, I would never call him dad. It's drove him nuts. And he asked me one day, Why? And I said, "Well, you can't tell your dad the fuck off, but you can tell Tony." <laughs> and he said, he, "You know, he, he didn't see that as funny. He just wanted to be called dad, you know." And uh, I fought with him a bit too much, you know. Um, but like you know, he used to use myself and Michael and very efficiently as Jack Russells. And you know, if you teach somebody to be a Jack Russell, you're going to get a nip in the ankle, you know. So. But what I did do, what I did do, and it took me a while to uh, work it out, is when he went sixty—not and not about being sixty—I just went. The fights are over. He wins. You know, the, like I'm, I'm not going to fight with him anymore. You know, um, so that, that I would have changed. I would have done it earlier. But you know, you're dealing with a, a tough guy from Thurlis who remembers at the age of eight of not getting a council house. You know, mm. um, you know.
1: It was a different era. It was totally different. And to survive in business, you had to be really, really tough. Um, so like I can see that we are a product of our environment. Of course, genetics are going to play some role, but the environment that we're growing up in. Um could the second point that I was gonna go back as a twenty-year-old, it worked out. Yeah. But you don't always think it you don't always think that back at the time though.
0: But I don't think back as a twenty-year-old, and I think I was twenty-one leaving UCD. Um, I don't think back and and looked at the wealth, and I'm not being principled here. I look at my kids and uh, my pals, and uh, maybe, maybe when you're sixty, you do this, right? And I went sixty this year, but um, I've always, I've always uh, like I I make the comment. And I genuinely believe this, that my kids are a better person than I am. And that's just amazing to watch. Um, so. I just the reason I'm kind of in this, you know, what's the great comment, Pat, uh, you never see on a tombstone. You work too hard.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's it. And life goes by very, very quickly.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And by the way, I think again going back to luck, uh, we had a good work ethic in the family, and uh, I think I think you know I'd be saying to all parents like I, <laughs> my eldest guy Connor, is very witty, he's in his thirties now, but I had him working in a bar that we were involved with, uh, cleaning up the tables and stuff. And he rang me one day and he said, I'm going to call social welfare on you. Right.
1: He said that he was underage and 14 <laughs> or 15 and so on. But, but he learned loads from it, you know? So. Yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Listen, I enjoy the conversation um, for the Glad listener I- as well. I think they they will pull little nuggets out of it too. And it's quite a different departure from what I normally talk about. So, listen, thanks so much for your time. I know there's a lot going on. In terms of one foundation, what's the website?
0: Um, I should know that I don't. I think it's onefoundation.id, Does... but just Google it. Google yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Okay. So one we, one we, foundation.
0: We, we we don't take in donations, and we don't take in um, requests. We wow. go out for ourselves. Wow. And, wow. Um, anyway.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Dick. Thank you for listening to the Oxygen Advantage podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and maybe take the time to leave us a review. The Oxygen Advantage podcast is available from all your podcast providers.